and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is Thursday, January 31st, the last day of the first month of the year, otherwise known as Backwards Day. So I guess yeah. that means we should start with what we're obsessed with. Ah, Ooh, nice. I like yeah, that. Oh, it'll be like Seinfeld. We'll just do a All whole right. backwards I episode. I got one. Let's actually do that. Yeah, let's hear it. Oh, man, I didn't think of one. I was going to come up with it while we podcasted. Well, okay. Well, here's your lesson for being prepared, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm the last person to watch the Fire Festival oh, wait, 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 documentary. Wait, 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 Mike, before we do this, you need to ask for five-star reviews. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I should plug our Instagrams. And if, if you're not already, you can follow us on Instagram. I'm at Modern Builds. Chris is at Four Eyes Furniture. And Ben is at Benjamin Ueda. If you like this show, you can leave us a five-star review on the podcast app. That just lets the app know that we're a good show and that it should suggest us to viewers of similar podcasts. Ah, listeners. No one's watching. Anyways, let's hear about those obsessions, guys. Yeah. All right. So mine is a little bit late to the party, but I just watched the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix. Yeah, I don't think you're too late to the punch. As long as it was this week, it. it would have been too late if it was next week. But you're okay. I don't even know what that is. It's pretty fascinating. It's good. It's uh, not too long. I think in particular they sort of compare it in part of it to Woodstock, which is also a music festival that didn't exactly go uh, smoothly relative to the planning and logistics, but it certainly reveals the sort of differences in time between, you know, 2016 or so. And then, but basically it was this music festival uh, that was thrown by this kind of like sketchy startup guy and Ja Rule, of all people. Oh, yeah, like on an island or something. I remember this. Yeah. I highly recommend the documentary. It's entertaining. It's It captures a lot of things that are sort of going on in this particular moment with sort of marketing, youth culture, and things like that. And it's it's funny. Yeah, it was a very good example of someone just getting in way too over their head. And then just yeah. having some bad luck incidents on top of that as well. You know, it's funny, like I was, this is very different, obviously, but I was even thinking like when we did the live podcast and I was like, okay, so if we do it, then like after everyone's still going to want to hang out. So we should go somewhere and hang out like to a bar or something. But like, would I need to call the bar first and be like, Hey, we might show up with like 50 people. Right. Yeah. It's like the, the very miniature version of that. <laughs> the My sort of takeaway from watching this was, have you ever heard someone say the expression, fake it till you make it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is what happens when a bunch of kids sort of grew up and thinking they're entrepreneurs with that sort of mentality that, oh, we'll just keep covering up stuff and it'll all work out in the end. And it's okay that we're like woefully underprepared for something. Highly recommend it. It's entertaining. It's funny. It's educational. It'll teach you the value of accountability. That's right. Yeah. and Always prepare. The guy is just uh, the guy that sort of pulled off the scam is like, he doesn't really think he's scamming anyone. He, I think he just thinks he's going to figure it all out, but is like, yes, pathological liar. <laughs> like it is, It's pretty disturbing. Yeah, I half rooted for him at the beginning of the documentary, thinking like, ah, that's exactly it. He's like faking it till he's making it. He's like just going for it all out 100%, 110%. But then, spoiler alert, anyone that hasn't seen it, earmuffs. But after the festival fails, and then he goes and uses his email list to like target people for like scam tickets to like different festivals and events and stuff. I was like, nope, this guy is just through and through dirt bag. He, yeah. I like, I'm glad <laughs> that he's going to jail now. Like, you know, that sort of thing. At first, it was like, ah oh, man, he just, you know, he tried really hard and ended up failing, and you know, didn't know when to just say this the ship was sinking. But now nah, he he proved himself to be a total uh, bleep hole. Yeah. It- and Ooh. speaking of festivals and ones that are totally legit, well, it's funny, right? Like for the first Workbench Con, that was the first Workbench Con wasn't too much after the failed debacle of a fire festival. Right. And when the organizers asked me to, you know, do the, the keynote at a brand new festival and like that, my first thought was like thinking, oh, I read all these articles about these, you know, so I was like, it, it, it was, I was a little bit cautious kind of going into it because like, yeah. is this, you know, of course it all worked out and was amazing. So that being and it was said, also good seeing that they had experience running Haven for a few years as well. So they, they yeah. had conference experience. They weren't coming in green. 
Well, it's funny. I think that's why, like, for the first, for the second one, tickets sold so much faster than for the first one because everyone saw that it was legit. People went, they had fun. People are, you know, are are making a return, a triumphant return visit for year two. And uh, yeah, should be should be a blast. When are you guys getting into Atlanta? We're all getting there, at least for me and you, Ben, right? We're going to be there the 19th through the 24th. Yeah. I think I'm there the 20th. Wednesday? I yeah. think I'm there Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. I, I might get in even yeah. the late on the 18th. But uh, yep, come hang out with us in Atlanta. Um, should be a lot of fun. And... Jaw Rule's going to be there? <laughs> no Jaw Rule. Uh, well, no he Jaw hasn't Rule. said that he's no, not no, going to no, be no. there. That's true. He could be. He might be from Atlanta. We don't know. It is possible that Jaw Rule will be there, but it will be of his own volition. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't invited. Yeah. Just showed up. Awesome. Okay. So, Obsessions. We've got Ben's Fire Festival documentary on Netflix. Chris, you've had your yeah. time. What okay. is it? I, I thought about it long and hard, mm-hmm. and I've come up with, I'm going to do an NBA one. Mm. Anthony Davis is coming to the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> Old news, bro. Old news. I'm excited it for news, it. No, it's awesome. I'm excited for it. may have for... happened by the time this airs. There's a good... Right? <laughs> it could happen. I don't know. Actually, if I had to honestly guess, I think that nothing is going to happen until summertime. That's my hot sports take. Wait till free agency. <laughs> there yeah. we go. They're in no rush. Okay. I've got a couple obsessions. I'm going to give Onyx Motorbikes a big plug because oh, yeah. I've been having a lot of fun whipping around on that electric dirt bike, basically. <laughs> We got the the dirt upgrade, so it's got knobby tires and some cooler fenders and a little better shocks and stuff, or forks. Mm. I really don't know the word. Um, but it just rides a little better off-road, and I've been whipping that thing. It is so much fun. So for anyone that hasn't been following the podcast, long story short, Indiegogo for an electric motor moped, essentially. But once they delivered them, which was on, oh, what was it? Maybe this Monday or Sunday? Dude, those things go 50, 55 miles an hour oh, wow. easy. I was going 52 uphill earlier today, and I found some really cool trails around the house. I don't know. I'm excited about it. It's a fun thing. And if anybody's interested, just find Onyx Motorbikes. You can Google it. Find them on Instagram. And they're crushing. They did an Indiegogo that did way higher than their goal, and they're just pushing out their first run of production models. So we were lucky enough that because we're in California and they're in San Francisco, they were able to kind of deliver it in person, come out, get some cool. Well, we were planning on getting some cool drone shots until on the first take, we ran it into the telephone lines. But but we did end up getting on that one take a really good shot. So that'll be on my Instagram. If you're interested, at Modern Builds and at Onyx Motorbikes. Nice. Yeah. So we, we ordered them like almost, yeah, like a year ago, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we remember you guys ordering them. Yeah. So was it, this was this like about when they were supposed to be delivered? No, 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 no. Way sooner. And oh boy. Oh, way sooner. Yeah. Yeah. We, it was funny. Ben called it whenever we ordered them. He was like, "All right, well, as long if we can get them in 2018, I'm going to call that a success." Yeah. And we almost did. <laughs> and we were the. I think I was the 11th person to order one from the from the Indiegogo campaign, and Mike was the 12th. So um, we were we were pretty early adopters. But no, they're. They're really, really cool little machines. Like, uh, I think we'll have some fun doing a little off-roading on my property. Yeah. And to anybody that's curious, because I am getting a lot of questions. Yes, it's fast. I can do wheelies. I can't do wheelies well on it, but you can accidentally do wheelies on it. It's got enough torque. Um, it goes off-road well. And like I said, I was going over 50 uphill. So uh, it's definitely a reasonable like commuter thing if you've got you know not too long of a commute. I think it's got a 60 or 70 mile range. Big plug. I love them. But yeah, what are you guys, uh, what are you up to this week? Instead of dropping into a topic, I feel like maybe we should send it backwards, if you will, to the beginning of our normal episodes and see what's on your bench. Because I've got it. I got some pretty big projects, but I want to hear about y'all's first. Well, you guys, I mentioned it a little bit last week, but you guys can see behind me that my room is starting to look different now. So phase one of redoing the, uh, the family room to turn it into a more functional space has has happened. Right. And actually, the video will be out the day that you're listening to this. And I also put out that bike storage, toy storage video. So officially dropped a deuce this weekend. Congratulations. To, thank you. Eight pounds, four ounces. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's a hell of a deuce. So how are people uh, liking the bike video or the, the, the storage chest with the bike, with the uh, bike rack? 
I would say it's, you know, a lighter performing video. Yeah. <laughs> it's a euphemism. Uh, <laughs> but th- the people who have watched it seem to like it so far. It was kind of a, a quick one, um, you know, a quick project. So I, I didn't expect it to be a, a, a real super popular cornerstone type video. This one, though, the media storage cabinet thing. Uh, I think it's my longest video that I've made so far. It came out to like 18 and a half minutes wow. for the edit. Um, took a long time to build too. And I talk about it in the video, but I think actually the reason that it took so long was just because it's so simple. Mm. Like it's basically all continuous grain, the doors, just like, you know, little gaps between them. So it's just like fine tuning all those little details takes way longer than doing something that's like a little bit more ornate, but where you can hide those little discrepancies. Booyah. Booyah. <laughs> Very Bring cool. Chumanji. What about you, Ben? You're back in Boston, I hear. Yeah, I'm here and for... And I see. Yes, I'm here for a tech conference, um, giving a talk on content marketing at uh, HubSpot. And yeah, that should be fun. And uh, But uh, before I left, I uh, was put into finishing touches on the glass deck. So I gave a little Instagram teaser video probably won't be out as of as of this podcast, but uh, you can go on to Instagram and uh, get a little sneak peek of what it's looking like. Awesome. So this thing has had a few different iterations, which is understandable considering there's not a lot of glass decks that that are out there currently. So what are some things that you learned along the way? Because you used a lot of LEDs and LEDs are relatively new to homemade modern. Yes, so uh, the the challenge was getting it bright enough to where the the visual effect would be as dramatic as I was hoping for, but at the same time, uh, getting the light diffuse enough so that you weren't seeing the light bulbs right through the glass block. Yeah. So glass block, the ones I used is pretty clear, like you can you can see through it. And the first set of diffusers we used was. It was it was blocking a little bit too much of the light. Switch out the diffusers. Had to do a few structural reinforcements because I kind of underestimated how heavy a a deck made out of you know giant cubes of glasses. And but it's like one of those like knuckle buster projects, right? Where it's like everything about setting it up is just uncomfortable, awkward because it's like digging into the ground, trying to get this big you know eight foot by twelve foot frame level pouring concrete footings for it, stacking rock up against it and trying to make it look like the ground is like perfectly cut away. But uh, in the end, we got the effect that I wanted, which is that it looks like perfectly flat sort of desert land. And then all of a sudden, it's just like inlaid into it is like this like glowing glass platform, the same height as the ground. So the only thing we have to really do less uh, yet is collect a bunch of sand and then we're really going to like feather the sand over it um so it'll look like almost like a pool of water just under the surface of the sand just kind of seamless between the dirt and the the glass itself yes that's awesome i'm excited for i'm excited to see the those final shots that you get where you're able to get like are you going to be able to do a long exposure or are you going to or is it bright enough now that you're able to get a relatively quick shutter on it It'll take some experimentation. Um, I think I can, yeah, well, so much will just depend on the angle. Like it's definitely enough where if you're standing on it and if you lean your head a little bit forward, it'll light up your face, even if it's pretty dark out. So the the shots I was sort of experimenting were just with my phone so far. I didn't break out the DSLR and we were able to get kind of the, the sunset and the light from the thing at the same time. So you could see both, right, the, the, the sky and the light from the blocks and so that was what we were sort of hoping for and and, and that worked out boom sounds we'll, awesome we'll, we'll drive those motorcycles up the mountain and uh maybe get some cool like very tron like shots on the posing them on the glass deck i like it sounds like a plan Alrighty, mike what have you been up to this week i am completing the conference tables that i mentioned briefly in the last episode during my obsessions actually I mentioned that I kind of did a Home Depot inspiration run, just kind of running through the aisles, seeing what what kind of caught my attention. And it was chain link fence parts. And I found some really cool fittings that allow me to make really basic table bases for not very much money, which is great timing because I'm in the process of building two four foot by 10 foot conference tables that I'll be delivering hopefully this weekend. 
the base, like I said, is made out of the chain link parts, which Ben, I got to say, you called it. As I was assembling everything, he was looking at it and he says, do you think that's going to be wobbly? Because essentially the fittings only have one bolt. It's it's a T-fitting that wraps around. It's It's two parts. Imagine a T-fitting in two parts that wraps around the two pipes and then one carriage bolt that goes through the whole thing. So there's really only one fastener on each joint. And so I had a little bit more faith in it. I put everything together. I tightened it down as much as I could, but there was still just a little bit of movement in all of the joints. So then I kind of looked at it, ran through my options, and I decided to test out some original Gorilla Glue, which I had never used. Ironically, Gorilla Glue is a sponsor of mine, but I've used basically every one of their products except actual Gorilla Glue. Um, But the reason that I used it on this was because it expands after you apply it. So it cures with water. You apply a bead to one of the pieces that you're attaching. And then the other piece that you're attaching, you just dampen. You can either spray it with like a spray bottle or wipe it down with a wet rag. And that kind of starts the reaction. It kind of foams up, expands, and kind of fills whatever joint. And it worked absolutely perfect for this project, which was a real, I don't know, it was just it was good. Something, you know, anytime you have an idea and it works on the first try, that's always exciting. So I was able to get all of these table bases to where they're good and rigid. I spray painted them today. I glued up the tabletops, which are 10 foot long, double thick, three quarter inch plywood. So those suckers are heavy and they're not too much fun to like carry around, but I was able to manage to get them all together. So the last things I have to do on it are route out the recesses so that I can throw in some power strips so that they're kind of flush to the tabletop. Uh, my ideas I want to do, I kind of want to title it the ultimate, I don't know why I keep going to ultimate, but the ultimate DIY conference table for startups, because I know that's a really common spot for someone to want to build something themselves because the conference table is expensive and it doesn't always have to look pretty. Like I know Ben, you did one not too long ago. That was plywood and those really good looking metal sawhorses. I thought that you were going to say that it was ugly. Well, you know, it doesn't always have to be good. <laughs> it was ugly, but I just didn't want to say it. No, <laughs> but basically to fill that market, because I know there's plenty of people that need a really big table, but don't have a ton to spend on it. And I thought being able to integrate some power solutions would be would be really cool along with it. So I just picked up some power strips that I think each of them have 12 outlets on them and three USB ports. But it's not anything special and it's not made to go into a table. It's the same thing that you would just throw under your computer desk. But it's got a flat top on it and it's relatively rectangular. So I'll be able to get a router bit out there and just carve a recess for it to drop into. And then I don't know, maybe I'll glue it in or maybe I'll be able to screw it in somehow, but everything's really simple cutting everything with the circular saw and getting a very substantial table out of it. So that video should be a lot of fun. And I'm just glad that the fence parts idea actually worked out kind of went from electrical conduit up to the like the the bigger scale of the same thing just really really affordable substantial pipes i think i'm actually going to be building a uh, kind of conferencey table in the next couple months as well uh so the guy that that owns local fixture he wants to redo their office mm. space right now they have it where everyone's just kind of like facing a wall going around the perimeter of the room so we're going to change it where there's just a big center table that everyone works at. They all work on laptops anyway. Right. Um, so yeah, we were kind of talking it over and wanted to do something similar with like the outlets and USBs in the center. So yeah, I'm going to steal all your ideas. I was about call to say, it the, the what, pen ultimate conference table. Dang it. You know what? <laughs> that just That's great. Cause I'm sure plenty of people are searching for that. Yeah. Yeah. Pen ultimate's a big buzzword right now. So a, in your, in your brainstorm session, what were some of the things that y'all were wanting? Cause it's kind of splitting the gap between work table, kind of like group work table and conference table, which is pretty common nowadays, I feel like. Yeah. So first, the the main thing we were worrying about was size, just because like it's not a gigantic room that it's going in, but it's good size. But obviously, so the idea was that around the perimeter of the room, they need to be able to store things. So we're going to build some bookshelves for around the perimeter of the room, then have the table in the center. And so we were just looking like how much space does a person really like need behind their chair? you know, for pe- for traffic to be able to flow. So we were paying attention to all that stuff. And we came up with like this really big design. And then I was looking at the space and you kind of like have to go through a series of doorways to get back there. So I was like, we should probably build this as two smaller tables because yeah. otherwise it's going to be almost impossible to get in and out. 
Um, so now we're leaning that way. So we kind of, all we really settled on at that point was just like the dimensions that we could use, um, for compiling the whole table at the scale that we want it to be. And the basic ideas of just having, you know, the power at the top, um, using some kind of like trough, I'd say a trough, but like some kind of center support that runs underneath the table, um, that is where you could like house all the wires. It could kind of double as support and housing the wires. Yeah, I dig it. And you're thinking about just doing it. Does he like I'm, like plywood basically all around? I'm going around? Chipotle, baby. <laughs> all Ooh, plywood. You're, you're doing plywood edges on everything. Plywood everything on everything. Plywood edge top. And corrugated metal. Or I don't know. What does Chipotle use? That is very Chipotle. Galvanized metal and <laughs> yeah. Uh, plywood. Yeah, I'm just going all plywood. It's interesting. The There was a time when the kind of open floor plan tech office kind of environment became popular. And people were saying, oh, it's great because it's collaborative and that. And now there's kind of a backlash to it because those kind of work environments can be really noisy. And there's like a lot of people that just need it to be like quiet and left alone to get work done. Because yeah. you're trying to get work done and a bunch of people are coming over with a cup of coffee, sitting at your desk, you know. Where you got Steve that chews really loud or yeah. some shit like that. Yeah. So the so for like a lot of like the the upscale, like high end modern furniture systems that do office furniture, they'll for if they're doing big tables like that, now they'll offer these kind of they're almost like tall ping pong net kind of like little sound cubicle dividers. So it's not like a cubicle where it establishes floor space where everybody's kind of sequestered into little boxes. But there's like little blinders and different movable setups on the tabletop itself. I I think the big table is a great way to go and then doing smaller accessories so you can kind of customize those sort of individual workspaces as needed. Yeah, that sort of reminds me of the tables that we had in detention. Right. Where it was just like the side, you basically like have horse blinders on. You can't like see anybody's (laughs) desk around you. But this, this, uh, this topic has brought up a, I think it's like a relatively new type of furniture or it's one that I think is becoming not more popular in that they're sold everywhere. But I think I've been seeing them show up a lot on Pinterest and that's the kind of like hideaway cubby chair, right? Mm -hmm. Like a chair where you're kind of in a little pod and it's got blinders on. And I think for some reason, like the, you know, uh, I've I've seen them a lot at like airports now and they're kind of nice because you can kind of just like you're still visible so you can see, you know, the monitors and stuff like that to see if when your flight's boarding, but you can kind of like block out the fact that you're around a bunch of like annoying people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was waiting to see what adjective you chose. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's this kind of like new interest in, I think it's even maybe a little bit tangentially related to that gravity blanket that did really well on like crowdfunding where it's like the really heavy blanket i think there's this like understanding that there's a certain type of introverted anxious person that wants this like (laughs) these little uh uh like little cubbies or prairie dog holes to kind of like burrow into to to send messages from their phone right um or or work on a laptop in it's weird. Like I don't know what to call those those chairs or cubbies or pods or whatever they are. But I think that's going to be like a type of furniture uh, I'm going to start experimenting with. Yeah, well, I would have to imagine because for as many people that thrive or at least enjoy kind of a group atmosphere, like an open workspace, there's got to be an equal or more amount of people that want exactly that. Just to be able to be left by themselves, do what they want and get their work done. My only problem, or my only problem, I don't have a problem with it, but I imagine we go. if I had a large office, I feel like I would be worried that they would just become like nap pods and everyone would yeah. get in their lounge, close or the shades, and then for an hour and a half, they're just, they're done. <laughs> yeah, I actually kind of looked into those a little bit, like building something like that when I was first starting to redo the room because I was like, I need like a little space, like if I can just build something in the corner of the room. And I drew up a couple of ideas and Dolores was just like, no. I'm not having that in the family room. <laughs> well, the problem is they take up a lot of space. And I think the, yeah, they do. the the ones that I've always liked are tend to have a sort of a sculptural quality to them. So when mm-hmm. you're creating all that surface area, which is blocking out the world, the sort of egg-shaped ones kind of look cool because they're – at least you're getting something that has like a, like a nice sculptural aesthetic because they block out a lot of space more than even a normal – big lounge chair would i think that's the that would be the fun sort of design task 
The other parts I th- I've always been hesitant about them is I can imagine someone burrowing down in one of those things. And there's, there are things where the seat tends to recline back a little bit, not yeah. being a sort of a flat seat. So it's more comfortable. So you can kind of really sink into the pod. But let's say, you, I don't know, you were just snacking on some goldfish crackers. And if it's like you basically create like a big cup, I just imagine a lot of crumbs like all accumulating in between the cushion cracks at the bottom of this like egg shaped thing. Yeah, especially if it's billowy. Yeah, right. So I think that'll be kind of like the it's got <laughs> a vacuum like, port on the bottom. Well, that's, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like leave a hole that's like kind of hidden. And you can you just shove a put shot the shot back, back under there. Right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I like the idea because at the end of the day, you're kind of like making the observation, like at least like when you think of like a trendy L.A. office, whether it's like a BuzzFeed or a Google or any kind of tech thing, they are like really kind of, especially for the past 10 years, like gearing towards more communal space. But with any change, there's obviously going to be drawbacks. And I mean, that's that's kind of the obvious drawbacks. But what are some other trends that are happening, whether it's furniture or like products that, you know, in five years the the downside becomes the new thing, the new wave, the new trend. Well, the like standing- the same way, you know, cubicles, cubicles were great, I'm sure, for a long time until lonely people started getting lonely. And then that's where the kickback for more group workspaces kind of s- started happening. I think standing desks were like a, another trend that was pretty recent that I think has sort of died down. I think the search traffic for standing desks, I, people still use them a lot. Like I know right. a lot of people that, that are sort of freelancers that – swear by their standing desk and it totally makes sense to not be sitting for you know eight hours a day uh but i think like the sort of hype over them has has sort of died down a little bit but that's definitely like a newer type of or new category or type of furniture that's new and frankly i mean i think woodworking benefits from these things uh because you know new applications where people can take more uh traditional techniques and apply them to new new types of uh, forms, I think, is, is is good for everybody. And then the other thing that's changed a lot is just, and I think we've, we've probably talked about this a few times, but it's just media consoles with the way... Yeah, just the know. requirements of what's going in them. Right. I, I've been working on the, the container house, and I, I built in the beds in the, the bedrooms, and I don't think I'm going to put TVs in the container house. Like, it doesn't really need them. People bring their laptops... Just have good Wi-Fi. People bring their own screens now. And it's like also figuring out someone else's. Because whenever I go to an Airbnb, even if they have like a beautiful, big, flat screen TV, I don't want to enter my Netflix code (laughs) onto theirs. So unless it's already logged in and perfectly set up, like I would rather just watch on my laptop and not have to like enter a password or do anything. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking about how to sort of set up uh, with that in mind. How do I... How do I provide a lot of power outlets around the sort of bed area? And so I've been using the really nice cloth covered extension cords and then making like little hooks where you can kind of like hang it. So uh, everyone has a place to sort of charge their phone like around the uh, around the bed. And I've kind of seen that, especially I think most people like watch their sort of shows and stuff like that. I guess like families and stuff still watch in the living room, but like most uh, people without kids, I feel like watch like on their laptop while sitting in bed. I mean, that's what I do. So yeah, yeah. it makes sense. So the- just thinking about how to create like little handy ledges for either a phone, an iPad or a laptop, which I all have that. like pretty different, you know, characteristics in terms of how you got to prop them um, and stuff like that. So I think that's like a, a something where a media console now might just be a bunch of nooks <laughs> well, in a bunch of different places I mean, where you can set things. Here, I'll lean out of the way so you guys can see the media console that I just talked about earlier that I built. Right. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Is that cherry? There's, uh, it's white oak. Uh, that's what I, that it was looks my like second cherry guess. Uh, but so it is, yeah, very much not a traditional media console in that there's nowhere to put electronics. All the electronics just sit on top. But if you look at it, it's not like, oh, man, it's littered with electronics. All I have is an Apple TV, which is, you know, like the size of your hand or whatever, a PlayStation and an Xbox pretty much and a Nintendo Switch. So it's all stuff that like barely takes up any space. What are you doing with your Blu-rays? I eBayed them, baby. (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) Offer up. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. 
No, please. Um, but yeah, all of the actual space is just being used for what we need, which is storage for like a bunch of kids toys and stuff that are always littered all over the place. I just wanted to have big doors. I could just open, throw stuff in a basket and put it in there. So that serves our needs a lot more than like, you know, gigantic DVR that doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. And that's what you got to do, I guess, is you got to figure out if times are changing, what are the new projects I can be building instead of building like, you know, a CD carousel or like a DVD rack. Like obviously that's going to be lost in today's world. Right. So a standing desk, there's a great project. I feel like that would obviously perform well. I mean, obviously there's like the very desk, which I think is kind of like the, the, the product or whatever that's kind of become synonymous for it. But I bet a good standing desk video would really pop off. Maybe I'll build, cause I have to build a new desk. Maybe I'll just build the whole thing just standing height. Yeah. Cause I've been, I've been saying I need to get a good chair. Yeah. I should invest in a good chair. But you know what the cheapest kind of chair is? No chair. A standing chair. Exactly. Or maybe the option is like what you were mentioning, Ben. You know, people are watching TV basically on their laptops in bed uh, or, you know, on the couch, but they're, you know, setting the laptop down on something, right? So maybe it's some some kind of like swing out arm or swing out table or something next to a bed that kind of lets the that lets the laptop kind of sit at the foot of the bed, but raised up a few feet. So instead, so it's basically you know, functioning the same way as those TVs that lift out of yeah. the footboard of a bed, but it's just kind of like retrofitted and, and it makes sense for like today's application. Yeah. I think the w- screen technology is changing so much and we're consuming so much more, but more and more it's just on the smaller one, which is like yeah. s- such a weird transition from when I was a kid where it was all about like, man, like it was a real status symbol having like a big screen tv like if you had a big screen color tv like you were balling out of control now it's like walmart or costco and big, big flat bucks. screen tvs are not that not that much like everyone's kind of got one and they don't really hold people's attention like everyone's always like looking down at their phone and the more sort of personalized experience so it's interesting when you when i was thinking about furniture and talking about these sort of like cubby these sort of isolation chairs, right? These chairs that kind of you sink into and they go all the way around you and kind of hide you from the world versus like a big rocking chair, which people would put on their like front porch. And it was like kind of a way to sit there and hope that something exciting happened. And it's kind of reflective of how media has gone, right? Like back in the day, people were just like waiting for something interesting to happen. And it yeah. just kind of sit idly and I don't know, like wait through commercial chew, breaks, chew tobacco and spit into a can and, uh, where now it's like people have so much stimulus that they almost need to like create separation <laughs> and little places to kind of hide away from it. Ben, you should write a book called From Rocking Chair to Reddit. <laughs> the transition. Uh, the, um, hang on. Subtitle. Uh, I don't sit in the, rocking chairs and I don't look at Reddit. <laughs> you'll, this book, you don't relate to it. Actually, no, I'm saying Ben. I, I looked a little bit at Reddit about like a month ago. I I can't remember what I was researching. And it does i'm not a fan i don't enjoy the culture of reddit but it does it is useful for sort of getting to the bottom of certain things oh um, yeah like there's a certain type of internet detector of pursuits that they're really good at but it's yeah but i don't know something about the 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 constantly trying to sort of one up with like a little bit more information i just find like really annoying and the sort of you know, people's tendency to exaggerate how sure they are about things is is bothersome. Well, that was a whole conversation we had the other day, Ben, of like, dude, I just, I don't know if I'm going to be looking at YouTube comments very much anymore, where it was just, where it was kind of just that. You were saying this? Yeah, well, I had a, I went into the YouTube comments one day and I didn't have my guard up. I didn't have my, I didn't have my armor and I got my feelings hurt a little bit and I was just You were like, drunk. Do what? Were you drunk? No, I was I was actually like very sober and I was That was a problem. I know. I guess I was just ready to start my day with a little positive affirmation, but then I just got taken down a notch. And I was just like in a bad mood all day. You know, Ben comes home from the property and like we're making dinner. And I was just like, dude, YouTube comments pissed me off a lot today. And then I was kind of going through what people were saying. And none of it was particularly Was it a lot of people? So here's the problem that I see with YouTube comments. Okay. They sort them now. It's not just kind of chronological. It's like by top comment. Yeah. And so that's great. 
but no one is giving thumbs up comments to like, hey, I love what you did there. Or like, good right, work. Right, right. Thanks for the video. It's always, you know, someone has Polarizing someone has things. a comment of like, bro, you should have done this. Or like, this looks stupid for this reason. And then that's the comment that people thumbs up. Because there's people, you know, I'm fine if people, people have that opinion. But, uh, you know, people usually comment if they have something specifically negative to say. And so right. then they go scrolling down to the comment section. They find the negative comment that basically encompasses how they feel also. They thumbs it up. And then, you know, all it takes is like 15 people to feel that way to get a highly rated comment. <laughs> and so whenever you're scrolling comments sorted, you know, by popularity or a top comment, however you call it, the ones that are getting the thumbs up are typically the negative ones because those are the people that are kind of rallying for like, you know, the idea that like they all their idea is good. It's like a confirmation kind of bias sort of thing. Right. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just and it was basically what you were saying, Ben, of people just being really excited to say they know something or to know more than someone else. And I don't even really remember what 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 people were saying specifically, but it was all just kind of like just silly, subjective things that I remember a few of them were just like factually incorrect. And I, right. it was just I don't know. I I hate I hate being negative and talking about stuff this way. But well, yeah, no, it was just one of those things that it's it's similar with Reddit where you get that kind of you just get a pool of people that kind of have a negative bias towards something. And then they're able to kind of like group up very yeah. easily. Reddit's funny because it's I think it's simultaneously the best and the worst comment section. And the whole thing is essentially a comment section. Yeah. But um like so I haven't posted any of my projects on Reddit in quite a while, but somebody shared to a couple of subreddits and they weren't like the regular ones that I would post. I think it was like um I can't remember. But anyway, they posted the crayon video to it and like man people were ripping it up like crazy like the comments were just pure negativity yeah like seriously like 98 percent negative but then like the upvotes were very positive so it kind of goes into what you're saying mike of like somebody with negative feelings is more likely to comment on it whereas like if you just looked at it, you're like oh that's cool looking yeah thumbs up moving on with my life right yeah. so at the end of the day that's definitely the metric is like thumbs up to, to thumbs down that's definitely what i look for in terms of a more broad audience you know except yeah. approval or you know not so much of a video Here yeah and i would say even like if like for me personally the i think the things that tell the story the best are the like if you go into your dashboard and just look at like watch time and all the actual analytics yeah those always fall in line with like how the video did if if it's a a really strong video those numbers numbers will look good and vice versa totally i just want a piece of technology that automatically deletes all comments that are from anonymous profiles <laughs> right like yeah. if i was to look and, and i would want that for all platforms i would love something on twitter if i'm looking at you know uh, someone on twitter that i follow and they tweet something and I'm looking at the replies, I wish I could have like a filter that automatically deletes the people that don't actually want to stand behind what they're saying. They just yeah. want to troll. Um, Accountability. It's like what we were talking about earlier with the right. fire well, festival kind of, thing. So I don't want to, I don't want to block out negative or critical. What I want to block out is people that are just saying things without stakes because I yeah. value my time. They clearly don't have a life. So, and they shouldn't, and I'm, I used to think that, oh, you know what? These platforms should just get rid of anonymous profiles. But there's also oppressive regimes and things like that where, or whistleblowers that need to have some sort of anonymity for protection. Uh, so, you know, me complaining about my, my life as an influencer is, is kind of silly. That being said, I just wish there was some sort of filter to where, you know, because what I find, so here, here's a good example. I posted the, the picture on Instagram of the glass deck. Now, oh, the yeah. LED light strips that are underneath there are not that bright. Like the total lumens is way less uh, with all of them than like the pair of headlights from a car. Uh -huh. And this guy sort of says, hey, I'm in Joshua Tree. I you know, like your work, but you know, oh, boy. you got to think about ruin the, the night sky. Exactly. Right. Light pollution. <laughs> light pollution. <laughs> Screw you, dude. So my, my reaction was to, I was about to just roast him. Like <laughs> with just He's like loading up. Yeah. Because, I mean, you guys know I have a little bit of, like, like a playfully mean side. Uh, yeah, you, uh, you say playful. You get yeah. a little salty no, in the sure. comments occasionally. Yeah. I'll, I'll either it, ignore it or, I'll go, or I'll go hard into paint. 
Right. It, it happens sporadically <laughs> enough that no one can accuse you of being like a dick to people in the comments, but it happens. It, it happens. Yeah. So I was about to go off on it, but he was like, like respectful and polite in the way he said it. And then he, he mentioned this thing called like the dark sky initiative, which I'm still researching. And it, I still don't see a lot of like measurable things behind what they're doing. So it seems kind of like some sort of like faux natural kind of uh, uh, rating on things like organic, uh, but less, less standardized. So his point was that, Oh, you know, it's cause it's like shining up and all those things. And I was about to reply, well, how about we do this? You stand at the edge of my property and if you can tell whether or not the lights are on or off, because you won't be able to tell because they're not that bright and they're like far away from the edge, then I will remove them. And then I'll come over and stand at the edge of your house and every visible light that I see from the edge of your property, I get to take with me. <laughs> right? So <laughs> Sorry we'll like, about your kitchen light. but <laughs> So the problem is, is like my, my brain looked at that comment and saw, ah. I'm seeing some resistance to my idea where everyone else is being like, this is awesome. This is fun. And I'm treating it like a problem instead of just listening and moving on. I'm saying like, all right, this was this guy, you know, this is the nail sticking up. Got to hammer it all the way down. Um, And it, (laughs) but my reaction, it's not so much defensive. It's just like, counter offensive yeah. <laughs> like it's oh. like I'm, I'm fighting fire with fire here right like let me just blow this dude up yeah. um who's probably like i mean when you think about what he actually did he's expressing concern over at a level of sensitivity that i don't share and that's actually collectively as a as a society that's a really good thing we don't want us all to be worried about things at the same level right like yeah I worry a little bit more about certain safety things than Mike does, which is good because, like, you know, we're going to make Mike wear a helmet now when he drives his motorcycle because he's already <laughs> yeah. crashed twice. Uh, <laughs> twice? Yeah. Uh, maybe two small ones. Maybe, like, yeah. four times. <laughs> so I kind of refrained from blasting him and sort of said, you know what, I'm just going to take this as, like, appreciate your, your input. Kind of think that you're not fully taking into, like, the scale of things. And I made the sort of headlight comparison, but then just sort of left it at that. Well, that's Um, the thing, right? Is you have people, and to their credit, they have something that they're concerned about and they're expressing their concerns. That makes sense. But it's hard to like condemn somebody from doing something before you get the whole story. Like I remember you were talking about the Instagram content that you made with Ram Trucks, Ben, where they did some paid... Uh, what do you call that? They, they, they put some, why don't you explain it? They took the content that I created and created some, uh, promoted, uh, yeah, they Instagram did, they threw posts a little ad with spin them. behind it. Sorry. That's they threw a lot of for. ad spend behind it. Uh, okay. But it was just like straight up the thing that you made, but then just being pushed out to a bunch of people. Right. The, the post the specifically was the one that we took in Joshua tree. Right. Uh-huh. And so recently there's been some vandalism in Joshua Tree with some people off-roading and knocking over a couple trees. These trees take hundreds of years to grow, and they're probably not going to be growing anymore because the moss that kind of pollinate them are, are dying out. So people have been really on edge about, you know, assholes coming in and vandalizing something that is totally irreplaceable. You know, I, I had that in mind when we took the picture and, you know— we're on the road. We're like on the shoulder of the road. And we took like a quick snapshot. There's a ranger actually uh, like 300 feet up the road from us. Like it wasn't like, you know, totally in view of everything. And uh, when it, when it, the post got promoted and boosted, and I think now it has like 18,000 likes or something. And it's all like bots liking it because that's what happens when you just throw money behind something. Um, yeah. You just get a lot of crappy uh, interaction uh, unless it's sort of very thoughtfully done. So whenever you posted the content, it was maybe a week or two prior to them putting the ad spin behind it. And in this time gap was when the government shutdown happened. Right. So when we took the photo and whenever you posted the photo, the park yeah. was open. It was everything was normal. But then whenever they started putting the ad spin behind the post, this was during the government shutdown. This is when people had kind of gone in and done a little bit of vandalizing. And so rightfully so, or I, I wouldn't say rightfully so, but coming from, the right pl- coming from the right place, coming out of a place of concern, the people that were invested in it, um, 
you know, kind of were like, yo, you're doing something wrong. What were they saying exactly? Because I don't, I don't know exactly. They, they, they saw the truck. They saw the jo- They found us through the Joshua Tree hashtag. Mm-hmm. They see like a big full size truck, and they it's see taken kind of at a low angle. They don't necessarily see the asphalt, right? And they see all of us Instagram models sitting on the back. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, like I mean, that's that's pretty hateable to 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 people that are losers. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> to the overly concerned, uh, right? Yeah, so. Viewer. Instead of like looking for a little bit of context, they start just attacking. Oh, you're the kind of people that are vandalizing and doing all this. No, like we're not those kind of people. We're locals, uh, bro. So it was it, Joshua Retrionians. right? But but people, you know, they'll they'll see the headlines of like vandalism in Joshua Tree. A bunch of people sent me those articles. Then they'll maybe click on that and they'll be, oh, there's some people in the truck in the park. Get them. They're probably they're probably the bad guys. Let's do the sort of you know online lynching sort of version of it. Um, so it's no big deal. I just took down comments on those posts. Um, but even still, you you had to like you just disabled comments, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. But so that's a strong move, huh? Or a weak it, move, depending on who you ask. Ooh. ooh. Yeah, it, calling them it's, out. It's funny. I don't want to give up on comments completely because you do get good. Uh, product suggestions or uh, ideas tips. about a different techniques or or people that sort of uh, clue you in to another uh, woodworker or maker who may have done a similar project with a slightly different take on it. So they are a very useful form of communication, but I really just wish there's a way to get rid of the anonymous ones. And uh, for the people that are commenting, a lot of times I feel like people want to ask a question, but instead they sort of make a declarative statement that isn't, yeah, that isn't certain. And it's like, it's okay to ask a question, even if it's like, seems slightly skeptical. It's like, why would you use that instead of this? Uh, Uh But uh, yeah, I I feel you, Mike, the, the, You know, if I had a dollar for every time that someone's asked me what will happen if they set their coffee mug on my crayon table, I'd have like 50 bucks now. Oh, my, my favorite one is so everyone saying times. like, oh, I would, you're going to bump your shins on that. And yeah. I was like, yeah. I don't know what kind of like club footed, uncoordinated, like yeah. drunk Wait, well, loser you are. Oh, well, it's like everything. Any platform yeah. bed. Any platform, platform bed. beds. That's it, dude. It's yes. Rip my shins. You're like, I'd, I'd hate to have that bed because my shins would be a mess. And I'm like, well, okay, well, once you hit your shins on it once or twice, I hope you would realize that the bed is there and you would quit. Okay. Yeah. I so when people person, say I've that, had like, I would just, I've had like five different beds and I've hit my shins on all of them, <laughs> regardless of if they're platform. When, when I was getting those comments, I would just say something, <laughs> something about, well, I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure your mom will figure out a way to tuck you in around it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you give him that little backhand. You, it... <laughs> nice. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to round out the whole comment kind of thing by saying uh, as negative as comments or sorry, as negative as comments can be, I still greatly appreciate anybody that stepped in on my behalf uh, on these negative comment threads and either backed me up, maybe threw a couple insults to the people that I wasn't going to do myself uh, I appreciate it, and for all of us, I'm sure I'm sure we're all aware that for every negative person out there, there's a hundred positives. So we appreciate everybody yeah. that whether whether you're leaving comments that are like "good job" or not, that's not what matters. What matters is just you know you don't let the negative people win. So shout out to everybody that's good. Shout out. There we go. And now we got nothing left to do for the episode. So well, I've got something, a little <laughs> something that came into our email inbox that oh, just it was just one of those things that was just a good thing to read. So this one comes from Kismet. Mike Orton Tolliver, and it says, Hey, guys, Mike OT here. I yeah. like that. Very strong. Over to tab. introduce yourself as Mike OT. Boom. It says, <clears throat> Mike OT here, co-creator of Borderline on Netflix. Heard the podcast Whoa. where you uh, shouted it out and was shocked to hear you mention it. Blah, 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 blah. Thanks, and enjoy all your guys' content. So the dude that basically created the show that I shouted out a week or two ago apparently is a podcast listener and just kind of gave us a thanks for it. So that was awesome. 
That's awesome. We got and we got crazy reach, a, and we had no idea. I'd like to give a big shout out to Porsches. Oh yeah, really? Yeah. Co-creator of the Porsche is gonna holler at you next week. <laughs> Ferdinand Porsche. <laughs> big fan. Yeah, I imagine the the co-creator of Porsche is someone like uh, his name's like you know Stephen Leibowitz. And they were thinking about, you know, how to name the car. And they're like, dude, we can't take your last name. We don't, I don't, I'm not the saying Leibowitz it has to be Turbo. mine, but it can't be yours, said Mr. Porsche. I'd also like to shout out $100 bills. Mm. Yeah. Money. Actually, just money in general. Nice. Amazon You're credits, you know. Yep. Big ups. <laughs> Home Depot gift cards. Shout them out. What are some... Okay, here's a question for you guys. Okay, wait. Where, what well, are some moments where you've been surprised at the at the reach you have, or you've been surprised at like, oh my gosh, uh, I was oh, at man. I was at Vaughn's and someone shouted me out and said like stopped me while I was getting groceries and said that I got I don't know if I should talk about this or not. I feel weird talking about this. Well, now but you I'll have just, to. I'll mention it and then maybe we'll use it or not. No, we're um, using it. Nothing has come of it yet, and I don't know if anything will, but. I got contacted on Instagram the other day by Martin Starr, the guy from Silicon Valley. Oh. And like he's Guilfoyle in Silicon Valley. Oh, yeah, he yeah. was in like Freaks and yeah, Geeks yeah. and Yeah, and he I guess he wanted like a record player thing and he found my YouTube so he's asking me some questions about it. That is we're so dope. But he had the he had the check mark, so it must be real. Exactly. You know what else was kinda of funny? I'm gonna give a shout out to Brad from Fix This Build That. But I was watching his live stream one day and then all of a sudden Neil Patrick Harris just hops in in the comment section and he starts asking him about 3D printers. Really? Yeah, and the whole time I'm just like, huh. Neil De- or sorry, I was about to say Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris is just like, I don't know, laying in bed before laying in bed one day and is just tuning into Brad's live stream. So, shout out. How cr- That's crazy. Yeah. It's it's those weird moments where, you know, you never know who you're reaching out there. So, shout out to anybody that's listening to the podcast that has any influence in the world. You know, I've always actually thought that, like, especially when I was starting and, like, for people who are smaller, like, my thing is always, like, don't worry about your numbers. Just, like, make good stuff. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you think about it, in a way, it doesn't matter how many people are seeing it. It just matters that the right people are seeing it. So you can have a super small audience and just have, like, that one right person see it that could lead to something huge. Totally. So that should be motivation for people to make good stuff no matter what. Domino effect. Boom. Yeah, I think he follows a lot of us on, uh, yeah, Neil Patrick Harris follows a lot of the woodworkers and makers. Really? Doogie, what's up? Shout out. Regular listener. Yeah, he loves the cast. Yep. Yeah, he follows me, he follows the Wood Whisperer. Four Eyes? No. No. He, God. He's got taste, you know. He was worried he couldn't <laughs> sit on any of the furniture and unsubscribed. Yeah. He's a skinny guy. No, he seems like he'd be in the skinny woodworker guy club. He's... He's svelte. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Right, cool. Now we definitely. All right. So you guys got Let's any. Let's just play the intro again. You got any uh, second obsessions this week or am I going to send it to the outro? Uh, we already did the outro. All right. Well, welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast and we'll see you next time when it's not backwards day. Bye, everybody. Hello. Oh, that. hello. <laughs> we, we worked that gimmick way too hard. All right. Bye. Yeah, it was a... All right. It's over. <laughs>